but we drive, we're invited to Springdale to a church and, and they have a men's feast going on, a, a beast feast, you know, like a, a, a men's event. We get there, we set up, we had a little show booth that we traveled with and, and um, so we set up our stuff and, and uh, there's like maybe, there might have been 12 guys show up. I mean, they were expecting a big crowd, but it just so happened the Hogs were playing football that same day. And uh, nobody in Springdale was wanting to go see somebody in the outdoor industry while the Hogs were playing ball. So we had a very light crowd. And Chris, man, he's, he spent all this time working on this message, and he shows it to me, you know. And, I mean, it's like 25 pages of written notes. I'm like, dude, are you going to give them all of that? You know, I mean, that's a lot of stuff. And he's looking at me like, well, yeah. <laughs> so he, he asked this question right off the bat. We get everybody in, they're fed, they're sitting there waiting on him. And he said, how many in here duck hunt? Crickets. Nobody raised their hand. He's got 25 pages of notes about duck hunting, and there's not a duck hunter in the building. I was proud of him. He went ahead and gave it the, the one-two and started speaking, and I started taking notes because the things that he was saying were just, like, like awesome. I mean, and so he, I, I give him the credit for this. Um, people have, have ministered this message. Luke's got to use it. We've, it's been all over the country. Um, we encourage those that do hear this, when, if, if you have opportunity to share it with someone else, share it with someone else. If you have opportunity to share it in the blind, share it in the blind because that's what it's all about. So with that, I want to give you tonight the duck call sermon. And uh, to start off with, I mean, what, what is a call for? What's its purpose? Deception. Deception. What else? Anybody else? What, what do you use a call for? Get them to come on in. I like it. Come on in. You know, what, what else? I mean, I mean if, you, if you really think about it, whether it's a coyote call, a deer grunt call, an elk bugle, no matter what it is that you do, a turkey call, the, the concept behind that is to get something to come closer, to draw something closer to you, right? I mean, that's why we use them. We want them to get in close so we can shoot them in the face. That's, that's the concept, right? So with that in mind, I want to share with you a little bit about, um, uh, about duck calls. It's, it's, duck calls are one of my favorites. And uh, when, you, when, you, when you blow duck calls, I tell people all the time that, <clears throat> that the person, you know, when, you, when you're out blowing a duck call, there's only one person having fun. And that's the guy blowing the call. Everybody else is just annoyed, right? I had a young man in our church, a little, little guy, and he had a duck call one day. And I was showing him some stuff after church. And, man, he was just eating it up. He was loving it. He was loving it. And so they were getting ready to go. And, and I tell him, I said, now, Nate, I said, here's the deal. The best place in the world to practice your duck calling is in the car on the way home. <laughs> His mama cut me one of them looks, you know. The next time I saw Nate, I said, how are you doing on your duck call? Are you getting better? He goes, I can't find my duck call. I looked at his mom and she said, yeah, I will. But, uh, <laughs> but I, um, I, I, we love to, to play with duck calls, and, and I'm, I'm not like extremely good at it. Chris is pretty good at duck calling. He's got some stuff down that I wish I could do, but um, he, he likes to blow the calls. And I, I love to blow them, and we've had a lot of fun calling geese and ducks and and trying to do different things, and we've got all these different calls, and like, um, these calls were made by Refuse, they were actually sponsoring us when we were filming, and there's a couple different styles, you have a single read call, which is, uh, you'll hear a lot of people talk about an open water call, it's a lot louder, a lot sharper, a lot, lot stronger call, you've got a double read, it's a little softer, 
timber call some, is what some people will call these, um, just because you can get down a little lower in vo voice. Um, I got a couple of goose calls. These, these calls on the market today, um, I think they sell refuge calls for $139.99 at Max Prairie Wings. And so these are, you know, they're not cheap. I know, Luke, what's, what's the most expensive call you've got? About 150 bucks, 160 bucks. I mean, that's that's pretty much average for a, what would be considered a professional's call. Um, so we all like to carry those, so we look cool. But um, this one right here is one of my favorites. This call is like 7.99. It'll do more in your duck blind than anything imaginable. I've set more ducks with this than I probably can with these. And the reason being is because of something it'll do that we forget about a lot. If you listened to when that DVD was playing a while ago, you'd hear it a lot in our blinds because I would go to it quite a bit because it changed the game. But what this will do, I mean, you've got, you know, most, most duck calls are mimicking the mallard hen, but this one will actually mimic the drake. If you've ever walked up on uh, a group of ducks sitting on the water and they go to get up, the mallard drakes, that's what you're going to hear. They're just going to have this little, they call it a great drake grunt. But they've got that going on. So that's a really cool thing. If you're having trouble setting ducks, you get them working over you, but they just won't cooperate, somebody break out a whistle. It'll set them. It'll, it'll change your game. The other thing it'll do is, one of, I was telling Luke's one of my favorite ducks is a widgeon, American widgeon. If you've ever heard that out in the wild, we heard it a lot when we were in Colorado. We'd see big groups of widgeons. Uh, occasionally we'd get them on the ponds, you know, but just a, just a simple whistle. And then it'll do, um, you can actually mimic the pintail drake, which, man, you know when you're sitting in a blind and you hear this, everybody's paying attention. Just a pintail drake. Um, you have um, a teal. Teals, teal don't make a lot of noise. Um, the actual, the hen teal makes kind of a very lightweight mallard hen call. She's just kind of a nah, nah, nah. But the Drake teal is just a. So John Goblin was speaking one night, and he was talking about these, and I, I love the way John brought it because he was talking about how, you know, how you, you have the, the female who's like nag nag nag, and the guy just says nag 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 nag. So you get that? Yeah, that's actually John Goblin special. So I love throwing that one in just for fun, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It had everybody's interest when the ladies started figuring out what he was saying that night too. So, but um, one of the cool things about about a duck calling, what I like to share, and, and I I don't tear these apart. I try to tear this one up. Um, this one's actually a, a really cool, really pretty call. It's from Christian Waterfowl Association. It's a custom call, um, and this was uh, the DOD, the Death on Ducks, and then this one was the GOD, which is uh, Geese on Demand. I still use that one all the time. This one I've kind of worked over, so it doesn't work as good. But when you take a duck call apart, it's really pretty simple. You, you have the, the, the air chamber, the barrel, if you will. Um, the barrel's where all the pressure builds up to, to, bring, to send it down, down the, the line. But the insert, the insert's kind of unique because it's got a couple of features to it. There's a groove cut inside there. It's called the tone board. The reed sits on the tone board, and it's held in here by this little cork. Some of them are rubber, but it's just a wedge, just a little wedge that holds that reed in place, allows that reed to vibrate just right. But um, 
when you when you look at that, it's all pretty simple. It's just a few pieces of a duck call, and you get it all put back together. You got a really cool looking call. But um, one of the most unique things that I like to talk about is the wedge, because nobody ever talks about the wedge. Nobody talks about a wedge. I've never heard anybody blow a duck call and say, "Ooh, that was an awesome wedge." No one says that. You know, and, and you think about that, that, that little piece in there that's, that's so insignificant, no one sees it, no one talks about it, I mean, who cares about a wedge, right? But, but the crazy part is, is without that wedge being in place, this call wouldn't serve its purpose. So without that wedge sitting just right, holding that reed just over, right over that tone board to where it'll vibrate and become that voice of the duck, this call would not work. It would not serve its purpose whatsoever. So you get it all put back together, you got this cool looking call, and everything in its right place, but there's still there's still something missing. What's missing? Breath. See again, once once it's all back together and everything in its right place, wedge is holding everything down just right, you've got it all your pieces in the right place, it all looks cool, it looks good, but until you apply breath to this, it does not serve its purpose. Nothing happens. It's just, you know, cool looking. Now, we, we've hunted with some guys that that really is all that needs to happen is they just need to hang here and look cool. They don't need to touch them. Just leave them alone. We, we, we have a lot of fun sometimes. We, one of the best ways to practice duck calling without the annoying noise is to go through it from the behind, you know. We can hear your air cutting off. and <laughs> Right? That's the way a lot of you guys ought to call. <laughs> but um, I mean, so obviously, you know, you, you until this until this has the breath or the air blowing through it, it doesn't serve its purpose. You know, each one of us were created much like this call. We're all individuals. We're all uniquely different. Um, some of us are more unique than others, but we're we're all different. We're all parts of a body. That when that body comes together, and it's and it's put together just like it was created, there's still something missing. See, until we allow God to breathe into us, we don't serve his purpose. Until we allow him to, to put air into us, we don't serve the purpose that he created us for. And yeah, we, we talked a lot about um, you know, the, the wedge. I love talking about a wedge. Have you ever served in a way, maybe maybe in ministry or, or maybe just at your job or whatever where you've worked really diligently at something you were given as a task and no one cared. You didn't get a pat on the back. You, you didn't get any recognition of what you did. It's, that's kind of like that wedge. But see, without you doing what you do, nothing else functions right. So keep that in mind. The next time you've got a very insignificant place in life that you're serving a purpose far beyond what we may know. Because without doing your job, nothing else may work around it. But once everything's together and, the, and you've, you've realized that the breath is there, God created us just like that. We, he created us to serve specifically for his purpose. When, when we think about our purpose in life, many of us get hung up there. You know, a lot of us may think, I didn't even know you was here. Hey, go <laughs> snuck in on me. I just realized it. <laughs> but, 
but in, until you until you realize your purpose, and we and, and there's a lot of times, you know, I've I've spent a lot of time going, God, just exactly what is my purpose? You know, I, I mean, ministry is cool. I understand ministry. I understand being a youth pastor. I understand being a pastor. I understand, you know, the, the purpose of ministry. But there's times in your life where you just have to stop and think, Why am I here? You know, what's my purpose? What what exactly is it that I'm here to do? You know, I, and you guys, they're, they're playing ball. I, I shared this with these guys last night. Um, you know, Luke shared his, his, his testimony, and I've heard other testimonies from some of these guys, and um, talking about how, you know, their baseball career ended a little earlier than they really anticipated. Well, mine did too. Mine ended at Little League. So, you know, I, I, but so you begin to ask, okay, so now what's my purpose? You know, you guys have had careers. You've got military. You guys have had careers. And I had a young man who was in my youth group in New Mexico that a uh, little troubled gentleman. I, I really am surprised that, that the Army took him, but he served some time, and he served several tours. Um, I would follow him. He, he had, you know, I got to keep up with him on Facebook, but um, he actually had been deployed seven times, and he was good at his job. He was constantly um, – showing accommodations and things that were that was going on in whatever unit they were doing and, and I don't pretend to know much about any of that but all I remember is is I'm I'm ministering one night to my youth department and it was on Wednesday night and, and my phone had rang. I looked at it and it was his number calling me. And I thought, well that's weird. Why well, Bradby calling I hadn't seen him in years, you know? So of course I didn't answer it in the middle of my youth service. So after I was going home I I called him. And you know, Brad was, um, like I say, he was a pretty troubled young man. He spent a lot of time in the juvenile system. He spent a lot of time in rehab. He spent he had a lot of problems. And uh, when I got him on the phone, it was pretty obvious that, that he was inebriated. And he was sitting on his bathroom floor, drunk as he could be, and still talked to me. But the words that he said to me still bothered me. He said, man, I, I did my job. I, I, I did everything they asked me to do. I did it to the best of my ability. I won a war. I, I got accommodations. I did my job well. But when he had just returned from his last deployment, and he said, they're telling me I can't go back. And he said, what am I going to do now? He said, that's the only thing I've ever been good at. So everything at home, he always wound up in jail or in trouble. And for whatever reason, he found his niche in life, his purpose was what he thought. But now they're taking it away from me and I can't go back. What do I do now? You know, I didn't have much for answers for that, you know? I mean, I, I, I didn't understand a lot of what I've, I've gathered now, just being around some of you guys that have served and understanding you know, what you've brought home with you and how, and how some of those challenges and how some of those struggles are. I didn't really know how to help him, you know? And he he struggled for two or three years where he was back in rehabs and he would he would go to the, the PTSD, you know, facilities to, to try to help him with his struggles and but he'd still wind up back in a bottle or he'd still wind up in the drugs and, and he'd wind up getting in trouble with the law and he'd be back in rehab and and it, it took it took quite a bit of time for him to finally figure out that life has more meaning than that. And, and, he, and I can tell you right now, he's, he's actually, right now, he's doing, doing well. Um, one, of the, one of the last places they sent him was a, a, a ministerial facility. 
And he came away from there with a, with a relationship with God that changed his life. And it, it wasn't just a, an experience. I, I, I preach a sermon experience versus encounter. Um, we have a lot of experiences in our life sometimes that don't really change us. We have, we have emotional experiences. It's what an experience is, an emotional part of our life. But what changes us is an encounter. When we have an encounter with God, it changes us forever. And, and that's, he, he found that encounter. So now he's found his purpose. And now he's beginning to, to share that with some of the guys he served with and, and you know, trying to get them to see things. You know, he's, he's one, Jody, you talk about how people talk about how you're so different. He's one that they see as being very different from what he was because of who he was. He was a mess. And, um, but he's allowed God to breathe into him. So just like these calls, as, as we, you know, as we put everything together in our lives, we still haven't figured out our purpose. And, and we're not going to find that purpose until we allow God to breathe into us. And when he breathes life into us, then we begin to be what he called us to be and what he, what he intended us to be from the very beginning. God's calling you out today. His desire is to draw you closer. His desire is to draw you as close to him as possible. Um, and the reason he wants you close is so he can breathe into you what he needs you to have. You know, I, I spent a good portion of my life running from God. I, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I was a, a deacon's kid. I went to church all my life. My, you know, I like to tell people I had a drug problem. My mama drugged me to church every time the doors were open. And, and I, and I, but I didn't gain anything from that but resentment, bitterness. And many things in my life that happened built on that bitterness and, and things that have changed. And, and there came a moment in my life where I found myself at that place of darkness and I nearly ended my life. And, and God spoke into me that things needed to change. And, and I allowed it. I, I, I crawled on my face before him until things in my life changed. And I began to serve him with everything I had in me. So I allowed him to breathe into me so that I began to serve his purpose. And I began to, to, to minister. And I wound up being a youth pastor and a juvenile detention center. And going through all those, those hoops, it, it did not stop my struggles I've still had struggles in my life. I've, I've had terrible things from time to time. I've, I've walked through many things. Um, as, you know, as a minister, you get subject to a lot of stuff that, that's not fun. You know, but, but for whatever reason, God's given me the purpose to serve him in this capacity, to serve him. I, I can't do this stuff. You know, I, I, the, the things that God puts in me has to come from him because I'm not capable of coming up with the wordage. It's on um, our board, we, uh, one of our board members calls me a wordsmith because of what I do with when writing and putting things together. But it's, it's, not, it's not coming out of my head. My head's empty. This stuff just rattles around up there. It's coming from the heart. It's when God pours into us, when he breathes into us, that that breath comes into us and we can allow it to flow through us into someone else. And it, and it changes someone. God changes them. I don't change them. You know, I, I have people who, who have called me over the years and, and um, you know, have thanked me for just speaking into them, to, have, to being obedient. And that's one of the things that God actually showed me in ministry. I, I was not in ministry very long. And um, matter of fact, it was a year and a half. I moved my entire family to Durango, Colorado to take my first youth pastor's position. And we sold everything. We sold our home. We sold our land. We sold you know, everything we had to move, to, to get to Colorado, to be in ministry. And, and 
a year and a half into that, the, the church going through struggles and challenges couldn't pay me anymore, and they released me. And I'm like, I failed. I mean, I, I failed. God, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't accomplish what you sent me here to do. I failed. And on a Sunday morning and during worship, God spoke to me, and he said, how do you measure success? From a ministry perspective, we measure success by growth, you know, people's lives being changed, you know, ministry to people that, that's beneficial. You know, I mean, all these things are going through my mind, and, and God spoke again to me, and he said, that's, that's not how I measure success. I measure success by your obedience to my calling. So it's through our obedience to him and allowing him to breathe into us that it's going to flow into someone else and change their life. Tonight, you've got an opportunity. God's calling you out. His desire is to draw you close enough that he can breathe into you the very breath of life so that you can serve the purpose he created you for. What is your purpose? When you really think about that, God created mankind simply to be in fellowship with him. It's not really complicated. We've, we've complicated it. Mankind has complicated all of this. But when God actually created us, he created us for fellowship with him. He created Adam because he wanted somebody in his likeness that he could, that he could walk with in the cool of the garden. And then he realized that Adam needed somebody more like him. So he creates woman. But the whole concept of life was to be in fellowship with God. The whole thing. Where are you with that today? You know, how is your relationship with him today? You know, a lot of us go through life, we don't even think about that stuff. You know, it's like, Psh, I ain't into this spiritual junk. Me neither. I don't like religion. I want a relationship. Because it's through relationship that my life changed. And it's through relationship that yours will change. You know, you, you look around, we, we you know, created a whole sermon last year that, that out of this brotherhood thing, this tribe, you know, this community concept. And that's exactly what we are. We're a community of people that God created to fellowship together. And his desire is for you to serve his purpose. So tonight I would just challenge you. If you're not serving his purpose, if you're not, if you don't even know maybe what your purpose is in life, I want to encourage you to spend some time talking to God. Man, you can talk to him just like, when Jody and I were just talking about that, talk to him just like we're talking right now. God doesn't require any special formula. He doesn't, he doesn't require any special hoops to jump through. It's just a simple matter of humbling ourselves and saying, hey, God, you know what? I don't think I'm who you created me to be. I don't think I'm serving the purpose that you've set before me. I don't even know what it is. I can't figure it out. But, but through that humbleness and through that brokenness, God will change our lives forever. We'll have an encounter with him that, that lasts. It won't be an emotional experience. It'll be a life-changing event. So tonight I want to encourage you. I just want to pray with you. If you bow your heads with me.